Okay, with Ashley Mosier, uh, Good Boy is the short film played at Documentary Film Festival. It's 40 minutes long, and it's it's really a film about death. Is that a correct assessment? Yeah, it, it's it's really about the power of love that can come from being and going through death and death and dying experiences. So your so your dog, unfortunately, Kenya was was uh, was 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 going to was 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 unfortunately going to the stake was going to die. And that brought up memories of your of your father. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So during COVID, you know, death was on um, everybody's mind, frankly, I think. Uh, and I was thinking much more about ourselves and humans going through the death and dying process when Kenya was diagnosed with um, bone cancer, which is terminal and pretty painful actually for animals. So um it became something that I had to deal with and manage, you know, very intently during that time. And uh, I had had my father passed away when I was, I think, 17. Oh, wow. And yeah, had had brain cancer. And both of these these types of um, situations came about incredibly surprisingly. You know, cancer isn't something we anticipate. It's, you know, it's just you get the diagnosis and it's usually very surprising. And that's what happened with my father. And so when this happened with Kenya, um, I, I wasn't aware of it, that, that I had old stuff around my dad. Um, but as you know, life happens, we have memories and things get triggered and kicked up. And I realized like, oh yeah, I have some unresolved stuff around that. And that's probably why I'm dealing with Kenya's, you know, eminent passing in the way that I am. And if you watch the film, you'll see that there's really an arc of how I'm, I go through that process. And I tr honestly believe that we all do, you know, it's like, how are we going to manage and deal with the death and dying process with the people and the souls that we love and refresh so trauma. Uh, I like refresh trauma of death. I, I told, when I watched your film, I totally identified with it. I had a friend pass away, like a childhood friend passed away 10 years ago. And when he did, it brought back all these memories that I totally forgot about, like in my childhood. And it was like, it took me like a year to almost to recover from that. And it was just like, it's almost, it was kind of like, that's for, for me, that's what like, that that's what death does to you. Cause it's, it's such a, like, you know, f finality, I guess. Right. And well, yeah. it is. And then it just brings back, like I said, with your father. So I found your documentary very, uh, I think that a lot of people can relate with what you, what you told in the story. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear about your. your no, I, 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 thank you. I like I said, it happens. I guess right, like death is around around us all the time. So yeah, it is, and it's funny because we don't talk about yeah. these experiences with each other a lot of At the time. At least in we, the Western world, I guess. Right? In the Western world, right? So. I was in Vietnam, and and to see and hear how they deal with it, they they love to bury their their beloveds above ground with the intention that they will go in, and on their plot of land so that they can go and visit you know, their, their beloveds, even after physical passing. And it really just that partnered with COVID partnered with my own experience is just like, wow, we could really afford to open these conversations. Um, not only because it's healthy and important that we talk about grief, um, and loss in our lives, but because we can connect over it. Like it's something we've all experienced and we can use that as a way to connect with other human beings, on a more soulful level, which is my ambition in life anyway. <laughs> and it also makes us healthier people. <laughs> healthier and better people in general. Yeah. yeah. People, yeah. Yep.
Yeah. Who knows what's like, we haven't figured out like psychologically and emotionally what that, that trauma does to us, I guess. Right. So that we're like holding, holding in, we're not, we're not expressing, we're not, we're not dealing with it. Right. So. Yeah. And I felt like this making a film and, and storytelling in general is a nice and comfortable vehicle or doorway into a conversation around, you know, something that can be challenging and uncomfortable like death and dying. Um, and I, I do tend to make films that I hope they certainly open me to more consciousness and awareness about life and, and human experiences and emotions. But the hope is that it'll also open others to be more at ease, to come, to converse about, you know, these things to keep us healthy. I mean, ultimately that's, that's why I tell stories is the hope is that we will become more conscious beings and better people and healthier and happier and all the things, you know, there's one thing I, this is a general comment, but basically I, re, I realized too, in watching your film is we, we tend to treat animals differently than humans I'm being general, of course, but basically like we, we like even with death, like uh, of our, our cats or dogs or, or our loved animals, we, we tend to be more loving and more emotional and more communicative. I, I don't know why that is. It's maybe because it's like it separates us, our species, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's like I, I don't know if you have a comment to that. I just it's something that I kind of noticed in your film. Well, I really appreciate you noticing it because I I think there is a part of um, what I'm trying to do as a storyteller is to recognize that it isn't actually any different. The the emotional part of whether it's a human or a beloved animal, you know, the, the point, those are emotions and hearts that get tangled up in, in love and all of that. And so um, I appreciate you that, you that you recognize like we do treat animals different. And my hope is that we can recognize and, and, and part of not part of why, I mean, a big part of the story is how the loss of a father can sim be similar to the loss of a pet. And some people be, would be like, no way, or there's no, and it's like, no, 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 for me, it was. And I'm pretty certain that it is for many others. And what if we start thinking of it less about species, you know, human or animals, or, and I also happen to be a vegetarian, vegan, and I care about animals and in an ethical, um, you know, kind of way. And I, that's how I think about them. And so part of my, my unintentional, I, I would say it's, it's intentional, but I guess it's an indirect and a sidebar to the larger story around death and dying, but that, that, that love and loss, it doesn't matter what physical being they are. We're, we're going through it, you know? So, and my sense is in general, um, you know, I think we actually feel more at ease with our animals and, you know, to yeah. love them. Yeah. Yeah. It feels easier. That was the to point I was trying to make. Yeah. There's a, yeah. it gives us freedom to, to express our emotions more, I guess. Yeah. Because they're just going to take it and they're going to, and, and they're also going to celebrate it, which is amazing. And we humans have all these other things happening in our brains. So it's hard to, kind of get past our own stuff sometimes to receive that kind of love. Um, but I, I agree with you that it is easier in some many ways. My wife has a dog, like it's for the dog family. And she said like different versions of dogs uh, through the last 30, 30 plus years. And she's always said to me, it's like, that's what's missing with me. It's like, I never had a dog. I never mm -hmm. felt that love, that, that, that tenderness with the, uh, with the dog before so me she could she perhaps could be right i don't know so yeah it is a it, it's really i do you have children 
Yes, I have two. Yeah. Okay. I, I suspect it's you. You don't need a dog necessarily. I mean, I just think that the, it's they will, they they'll want a dog eventually. I I, I can yeah. already see it coming. So yeah. Good. Well, then you guys will all have the experience together. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but I I think it's there. I, I, there's something about like I guess companionship, right? Like nonverbal companionship. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just like soul to soul. There's not all the other crap that comes with it and makes it, you know, sometimes hard, I think. Yeah. So, okay. So tell me about the making of this film. Was this what you set out to make when you were started shooting? Like what was the process of like kind of creating the documentary? Yeah. Um, so not really. Um, I had decided I wanted first to make a film around just death and, and COVID, uh, you know, it's COVID times. We, as all, all of us artists and filmmakers were like, what can we make during this time? I'm going to go crazy if I don't do something. Yeah. Um, and so originally I thought, <clears throat> you know, this would be more about the human experience around COVID and, and kind of a, uh, like a meditation on, on life and death. And uh, I was, I had been, Kenya was 15 at the time. So I was being conscious about wanting to record things because I knew that he wasn't going to be lasting. Um, I, I was going to be surprised if it was a whole lot more, but I thought I'd get a few more years out of him. Um, and so I started recording him and, and taking footage of him, but it wasn't until we started driving across country to move from Portland to Vermont um, during COVID that my mom actually said, you know, have you thought about making a film about Kenya? And I was like, who's what? Like, no one's going to want to watch that. Um, and then I just, it just kind of sank in and I thought, well, I have been creating images and, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I should just, you know, capture what I can. And then on that trip is when we found out that he had bone cancer. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe this is, maybe this is really about the human and, and animal bond and what we go through. But no, to answer the question, I, I didn't know what it was about. I mean, these kinds of personal documentaries often, because this is these are the types of films I tend to make, often happen in the edit room. Because a big part of it is you're going through it at the time. And yeah. it's really important to me to actually like live my life. I want to make films and, and tell stories. But first and foremost, I want to be present to my experience on this planet. <laughs> Um, so I just, the, the process really was like, just capture what I can, when I can, um, you know, try to be mindful of mine and my husband's experience, you know, and if, because Kenny is an animal versus a person, I didn't feel nearly as intrusive in his life, which is interesting, but, yeah. um, uh, I think he was probably fine with it. Most of the time he's pretty tired. And, well, and so then legacy, you gave them, you gave him another life, right. With the film. I, I love that that's what happened. It certainly wasn't my intention. Yeah. A couple of people have said it's like a beautiful eulogy yeah. um, to, to a beloved family in a dog um, family member. But um, it, it really wasn't until I got into the editing room and I thought, well, I, I knew some stuff came up around my dad while Kenya was dying, but it wasn't that clear. It just was emotional. And I had memories of my dad passing and and the, the things that happened to him with brain cancer, they tend to hallucinate and um, and be, you know, illusion, delusional and stuff like that. And so I, I didn't have clear, clear connection between the two until I sat in the editing room and I, it took, um, took over two years to edit the piece. And that was very quite committedly, like every week I was working on it for sure for two years. Um, and it wasn't until about midway through the edit that I realized like, oh, 
this, this is about how we deal with death and how I hadn't dealt with my father's death. And, and then I started to be able to weave these stories together um, and using the old footage and, and trying to find a very cohesive way to, to link them. That was a challenge was, you know, how will the audience understand that they're linked because I hadn't fully understood it myself. So until we, as the storyteller understand it really clearly, it, it can be really hard in the editing room to try to weave a story that you don't fully understand yourself together. So you have to be patient and you have to wait until it all comes. <laughs> so what I learned there too, is that your mom seemed to have a premonition that, mm. that she like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying it like, like kind of telling yeah. me, you seem like she, she's the one who's telling you to make a film about Kenya. Yeah. And I don't know if she knew that something was wrong, but it seemed like it was seemed like it just kind of was a jump start of like everything that happened. Totally. And of course, my mother of all people would be the person to to recognize or at least maybe not recognize, but unconsciously be aware of something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's like, well, I'm assuming she was married to your father and uh, has her own history there as well. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So you're this is these are the type of films that you make, I guess, like you kind of you make these kind of personal stories. Yeah, per, they're called personal documentaries. There's a whole genre of these kind of films in the world. Um, I this one I I I knew was going to end up being a personal doc. The, the couple before I really fought it and said, no, I'm not going to do do that this time. But you know, sometimes you don't get to choose what kind of artist you are. It just kind of comes, and that's what you do. And I, I do struggle with it sometimes because it's um, there's a lot of stigma around personal docs for people who don't understand uh filmmaking in general so they're like why would i want to watch a movie about you and it's like i hear you and it's not that's the whole point if you do it well it's not about the person it's a macro thematic about exactly you're talking you're telling a story where you're just not you're not being self-serving you're not Dare I say being masturbatory? You're just like yeah. it's it's about something, I guess, right? It's a it's about a universal theme. It, if you do it well, I mean, yeah. that's the key. Is like, can you do it well? And it is a craft that um, I will be doing my whole life to make to do it re- as well as I possibly can. Um, and I feel like I get better each time. But um, there's some really great film, like what they would call personal docs out there, like Sherman's March and Fifty One Birch Street from Doug Block. And there's a handful that are just really brilliantly done and have been very well received in the film community. So I have something to aspire to for sure, and I, I do, and I work hard at trying to stay out of my own way creating these kinds of stories so that it is universal for everybody. It's a it's a common uh, documentary too, where like it's the, the the documentarian is the main subject. They're in, they're they're bringing the audience into the with into the film yeah. and creating an emotional kind of journey. Like we're following your emotional journey. So yeah. you're likable. So. And you're, 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 you can tell you there's no BS, like, or it appears that there's no BS mm-hmm. in your kind of, in your, in your, in your film, meaning that like, you're just, you're free, you're, you're, you're expressing yourself. So I think subconsciously the audience can see when there's something that doesn't feel right. Yeah. You know I mean? And that's what happens in a lot of self-serving documentaries where eh, something doesn't, it doesn't, the, the, yeah. with yours, basically what I'm saying is that your, this film, especially like, it's just you're, you're raw, you're raw with emotion. So. Yeah. And you know, I think what I've learned over the years is um, the audience is freaking smart. Yeah. Like you cannot 
they are, and you have to assume that they are smart to, to tell a good story. Um, they will pick, like you said, BS up so quickly and we don't have, you know, people's attentions are short these days in general. And so you, you just, and frankly, that's not my point. You know, my point is to just tell a true story with depth and ease and humor. Cause there is humor, you know, as much as I can find humor in these stories, um, it's part of the medicine of going through it. And I, that's what I want to share with others is like, Hey, ha- where you can find humor, find humor. Cause it's there. And that's medicine as we go through this stuff. In the shooting, like there's lots of lot, a lot of nature, a lot of like, it's, it's a really aesthetically pleasing to look at what you're, where you're shooting. This is in the, the North Northwest that you're shooting in. Northeast, actually, we moved from Portland, Oregon, over to um, Montpelier, Vermont, and so a lot of oh, that. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, but very similar. But it's just yeah. colder. <laughs> yeah, and I, and it was I, that was intentional, you know, life, death, rebirth, kind of, you know, seasonally, and um, Mother Nature and rejuvenation, regeneration, and that's all part of the theme of this story. And your husband obviously is in the film as well, right? Yes, that is my husband. Yep. And he, uh, and what does he feel about uh, being a part of your film? Is is he okay with that? He's totally okay with it. He actually has been a filmmaker his most of his life as well. Um, you know, and I, I, I share this because this is a film podcast um, as far as filmmaking goes versus maybe as much just interest in the theme. But um, I had to figure out how to tell that piece of the story because another thing that happens when we go through any struggle but is that there's other humans around us either going through it with us um or being affected by it at the very least and so it took some creative energy for sure to figure out how am i going to both i don't want to narrate the film um this time i have in the past and it's been fine but i just didn't want to do that this time around i want to try something different um and also uh, show the human to human experience around death and dying. Like how do people deal with this with their families and their beloved, you know, beloveds and or their kids or whatever. Those those are things that are, are all part of the death and dying process that we go through with people we love and souls that we love. So I had to I had to create that, and I wondered if that was gonna gonna work. I think ultimately it worked just fine. But to actually ask my husband, can we? both be a part of this quote unquote narration. And can we do this in a way that doesn't feel like narration? And we actually just each played director um, behind the scenes. So he directed me when I was interviewed, I directed him. That was a follow-up question. Yeah. So you're, he was interviewing you, you're interviewing him. Yeah. 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 And, and I don't, I don't know. I'd be curious your thoughts, but did it feel that that way or did it feel like someone making the movie was actually interviewing us it felt like someone was the only reason i know that it was you because i i i see your credits when you submitted yeah, okay. yeah. but uh yeah it felt like someone else was making the movie okay and that was in that was what i was trying to go for yeah. on this one i hadn't done that before i thought well let's just see how that goes <laughs> yeah it's like yeah you're like a, you're like two different people in a sense where like you're you're separating you're, you're a filmmaker then you're also the main subject so you're yeah. like, almost like serving two roles in the, well, you are, you're serving two roles in the film, right? So. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. It's really a fascenating and fun experience uh, just to be able to play two different roles in, in filmmaking. I, I imagine. Like, yeah. I was just going to say, it's almost like a fiction film where the director is acting in the film as well. right? Totally. So, yeah. That's what I think it's probably like. Yeah. And then you, but you were also like, there's the, the scenes in the, in the vet veterinarian. Did you have like, 
were you like were they okay with you I'm, I'm assuming it's in the film so I'm sure they were okay but you had to get, yeah. talk to them talk them through about what you were doing the cool thing was she you know her her main goal was just to help and so when I I told her and I kept it really light because I still didn't fully know what I was doing but I said uh, you know I, I think I'm going to be making a film about this whole experience are you cool with me bringing a camera in and she said absolutely whatever can be helpful you know she was great and she was a fantastic vet focused on palliative care and and really caring for the animal but she actually so much helped us as well you know and I, I don't I don't know a ton of vets who have spent the amount of time and heartfelt energy with their clients I know they're out there I just hadn't had that experience before so she was just a really great gift and I loved bringing her into it because I think it gives us a little window into that other side which is more of the medical you know, um, yeah. maybe, maybe more rational. I don't know. It depends how you think about it, but side and viewpoint. In the and pills, the they're showing all the pills that they have to, that he has to take. It's like, yeah, yeah. I think a lot, a lot of, a lot of, most of us have gone through cancer with a loved one before. So even though it's a dog, we kind of, there's, we, we relate in about like the, the change, the dog's changing through the film, right? Like it's getting skinnier. Yeah. It's like, it's the, the whole, his, his aura is changing. Mm-hmm. And you kind of captured that as well. And it's like, it's cancer. That's what th- that does. And then the practical side, like they got to take a million pill- pills and yeah. It's yeah. Gonna- help them poop. And I mean, yeah. like that happens. My I told my brother about, it. we were on a conversation during this whole thing as we were making the film, but he said, it sounds like you're taking care of like an elderly parent. And yeah. I was like, that's, yeah, that's, that's what, what it felt what like. It yeah. 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 And so that's why I think partially it'll resonate for both elders and, and, you know, kids of elders at this, at this stage of life. Yeah. And you can't help but cry a little bit in your film. So I'm (laughs) I'm sure that was your, like, I'm sure that you know that as well, I'm assuming, right? Well, to be honest, I want Teddy Gruya of American Doc Fest said, you know, we should probably tell people to bring tissues when they, when we screen this. And I, I was like, really? He said, actually, yeah, we're crying our eyes out. And I was like, well, I, I mean, it's not that I don't understand that. I just, I think I probably had to do something to my own being while I was editing to kind of get through the edit. Maybe I just didn't. I also very much felt like I just wanted to tell the truth of the story. And so of course, you know, I, I was crying during the, the experience. So I, it makes sense to me. It's just but I will say, no, I wasn't like, ooh, how can I get the audience <laughs> to cry? I think that's actually probably not a really smart move as a filmmaker. Um, no, but just- you, yeah, I don't, you're not trying to because yeah. you, it just, it's just happening. Like you, and obviously you're making the film and you're, you have perspective. Like that's how, yeah. if you're too raw, it's like, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not a good way to edit the film, one would assume. Well, and I hope that part of the tears are actually that, that, that kind of tears and and emotion that is both like holding both like the deep sadness and grief and also the beauty and the love and like the hope of what it, of what death and dying can be like, could be like, you know, um, that's that, if anything, that was my goal was how can I allow people to feel both at the same time? Yeah. But there's something to it where it gave me, it also made me think where we see people die all the time in movies. It, it just, it's just a common thing. Yeah. But yeah. when a dog dies, it it affects us more <laughs> than when humans <laughs> die. I don't know like why, but it seems to be the case of like we don't like seeing dogs die on film. We just don't yeah. as a human as he as a humans. I don't know like why that is. It's just that it's worse than than a human dying. 
Well, it's so interesting. I have two thoughts on that. One is I just came across someone's, someone quoted something on Instagram, maybe a week or two ago that said, if the dog dies in the film, I'm not watching it. Yeah. And that was, that was just a general statement. I think they're making, you know, kind of humorous statements about films. Um, and the other aspect is uh, I tried to show as much as I could that the death and the dying part can be incredibly beautiful if you're, if you're truly present with it. Yeah. If we're fighting it and resisting it, which is what most of us do because it's scary and uncertain and final. If we decide to take a different approach, which is a, another major theme of this story is you can actually find yourself being incredibly grateful for it all yeah. because it actually literally will open you up to the capacity, a, a new capacity of love. And that's what I experienced in going through this. Has someone talked to you about, uh, I've been unfortunately had to like where usually dogs generally die in the, in the, like they get someone that vet gives them the needle and they die in this cold, dark room or whatever. And it just seems like it was not even real when they die. Cause that's a lot of animals. They get cancer. And then they, they put them to sleep, I guess, basically what I'm saying. Right. Like I yeah. remember my cat got put to sleep. It's like, Oh, it's got cancer. We're going to put it to sleep. And it was like, it was almost not real. Like to me. It was like, cause it didn't feel like it was like a natural death. If that makes sense to you? I don't know if someone's have, have talked to you about that as well. Um, certainly I've had people, you know, say, gosh, I didn't even know some of the things in the film were available to us. You yeah. know, like we could have someone come to the house. We could do ceremony around it. We could keep the animal with us to allow our souls to catch up for a couple of days and nothing bad or, you know, it wasn't going to start to stink or like they, so I, I think in in general, I'm sorry that for you that that was the experience with your your kitty, yeah. and I I hope that the film shares that there's other options and you I think can, that's you what can... yeah but yeah but I'm getting to because that's because you don't know I don't know I only know what I know I just thought that that's what happens with animals they get cancer yeah. the the vet puts them to sleep right away yeah and there's logistical reasons for them to do it that way um, but it is absolutely possible to you know, have, have euthanasia happen in a really comfortable place. You can even do it at the vet, but you can ask, like, I'm going to bring blankets. I'm going to bring incense. I'm going to whatever. Cause they pick a certain room for that usually at a vet clinic. Um, and you can ask for all the things in the world. And most of the time they're going to say, yes, they, they just, they themselves don't have the mental capacity or time to do that kind of extra work because they do this so frequently. And so it's really up to us, you know, what kind of passing do we want to provide for the souls that we love? And honestly, a, a big part of this story came to me when I listened to a podcast about death doulas for humans um, on one of the New York times podcasts, like during COVID. And they were talking about, you have the capacity to ask for a death doula, you know, and that person can come in and help not only the, those who are staying behind the living, but that the the soul that is passing to do it in a comfortable and maybe even creative way. And that was, that was how I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it differently. I wanted to do it creatively. I wanted to make, like I say in the film, I wanted to be the best day of his life. Like that was my intention. And so we can all do that. It just takes a little bit of prepping. And I actually ended up like hearing stories like yours, it made me want to go get my pet companion death doula certificate okay. so that I can share with others like, hey, you can do these. Here's some options. You know, you could actually drop them at the 
crematorium yourself and and wrap them and and give bring their favorite stuffed animals or whatever's meaningful to you um and they're not going to tell you that because it's too much work for them so so there are death doulas specifically for pet companions now um for that very reason to help people like you and me at the time know that what the options are have you used that have you used that certificate like a yeah, new- like I've, I've worked with about five or six different clients. Um, I don't have a ton of time to do it. So it's yeah. something I do on the side. Well, dare I say it's a sequel to the film, right? That, that, I don't <laughs> think people know about it. Yeah, thank you. That's a great idea. See, yeah. I like it when other people suggest the ideas. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, because it's like that's 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 what we're talking about. It's like because unfortunately, well, we're all going to die. Right. And we've all, we all experience it. It's just that it's still, it's still that stigma. Right. So yeah. it's something that you just described. I had no idea. Right. So if I yeah. had no idea, I, one would assume that others don't either. So. Don't. Yeah, absolutely. And what did, what did you think about, we sent the audience to you. What did you think about our audience had to say about your film and the feedback video? Well, first of all, I, if I can just say like both my husband and I, and, and he's an, you know, an accomplished filmmaker, um, so I say I say that just to say that we've been through these things a lot in our life. And we really feel that your festival and the way that you have set this up to really care for the filmmakers is really a brilliant idea. And we're really grateful that there are creative people like you and your partner who are finding new and different ways to offer resources and value. And sure, it's it's nice to get into the big festivals, but I I believe that these are the kinds of festivals that we need a lot more of uh, in the indus- in the independent filmmaking industry. So thank you, first and foremost. Um, and getting the feedback is just delightful. I mean, it's truly a rarity that you get to hear people right after watching it say, you know, whatever is on their mind and hearts. And I think the people that you had were really lovely and honest. And I love that one of the women shared, you know, some criticism. I was like, thank God they're not all like, Oh, this is amazing, you know, because we're here to learn and yeah. grow, and, you know, become better. Um, so I thought it was it was great. And I really appreciated it for sure. And it's a great resource for me to have. I haven't decided how I'm going to use that at all outside of taking some quotes, maybe if that's. A, yeah, a of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm excited to use that. And, and this podcast, you know, just as ways to support the evolution and distribution part of of Good Boy. Are you making another, are you working on another film right now? Or you always are? Or? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, I could be doing that. I could be doing this. Um, am I filming right now? No, I'm in a place where I'm actually starting to do fine art photography uh, more seriously. Um, and so I'm spending a lot of time doing that while creating some, you know, doing some um, money-making gigs here and there. On, you know, I, I really this was a long one for me and it was, you know, almost three, it was basically three years of making. And so I, I, and the other thing, the other reason I'm not quite stepping into creating again is um, I'm trying to take a new and different path with distribution and not, you know, do some festivals, but that's not the, the goal. The goal is where else can this film live? How can I do this part of it differently as well? Is there a way to make some um, and generate some compensation for for the film. And the beautiful thing is, I have a world, the veterinarian world, uh, to to offer and and try to find creative ways to distribute to them, whether it's conferences or schools and education systems around this topic, because it's a hard topic to teach. Um, 
So, you know, like uh, the school here and where I live is interested in showing it to their staff and then deciding if it's going to be a great resource for their students and hopefully, you know, find some compensation there. And we're doing local screenings and I'll probably do more like a tour event and try to write. We're doing a local screening here where we're partnering with the re local rescue center and a couple of vets and uh, other animal um, organizations and we'll put on an event and raise money and, you know, that kind of thing. So, which is really fun, but it's very time consuming. Um, and especially yeah. when it's really just me, um, it's going to take some, it's going to be a, a bit. So. Well, I wish you the ultimate best of luck. I, I think this film is fantastic. It really touches like it, 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 it's 40 minutes, but it doesn't, it feels like it's like, it's like a quick film. It's like, Oh, it's over. Okay. It, it doesn't feel like 40 minutes, which is, in my world, it's a high compliment. So, <laughs> thank you. So, yeah, it is a high, as a filmmaker, it's a high compliment too. So thank you. <laughs> so congratulations on, I wish it the ultimate best of success. And uh, let's talk again when you make your next film. I would love to. Thanks so much, Matthew. One, two, three, four, five.